Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. It is the 7th of January today, which means that we are exactly one week into 2022, or... Uh, just, just far enough along for us to be aware of which of the goals we're actually going to follow through on this year and which of our goals have already fallen off to the wayside, right? Or is that just me? I feel like that's not just me because I've had a lot of conversations with people about the gym this week and I feel like they're not all going to stick with it and follow through. I feel like they're not. But I've been doing all of my reflecting on 2021 and all of my planning and praying for 2022 over the past couple of weeks, and I have noticed something that you might relate to. I've realized that apart from God himself, everything else that I was most grateful to God for in the year gone past had to do with people. So my family, my church family, friends, our youth ministry, our young people, our youth team. And yet, as I have been looking to the year ahead, I've found myself preparing to be the most intentional about things that have nothing to do with these people that I'm so grateful for. So I've been really intentional thinking about things like who I want to be, what I want to achieve, how I'm going to work, how I'm going to study, how I'm going to exercise, but then kind of just expecting that somehow in the whirlwind that is life, all of the relationships that I value the most and all of the ties in my community that I hold in the highest regard will somehow just automatically flourish. I realize that um, some of you are parents, so you don't have the luxury of thinking about yourself ever, but um, maybe you're not so much thinking about yourself, but your immediate family. And whether it is just you or your immediate family, we all have this propensity. I think it might be our individualistic society, which conditions us to think about ourselves or our, our closest as an isolated unit, and then just let wider community kind of happen to us or not happen to us as life goes along. But Jesus, he actually has a lot to say to us, to his church, about community and how to do it his way. You know, even if it is your very first time here tonight, you have likely realized that Jesus is what we're all about. We've been singing to him. We've given of our finance in response to him. He is our Lord. He is our salvation. He's our hope in this life and the next. And there is an invitation for you tonight, like always, to come and meet him and be changed by him and transformed by him. Pastor Izzy is actually going to give us that opportunity in just a few moments. And just as much as there is an invitation for you to know Jesus tonight, there is also one for you to know his church. To know and to be known in the family of God, the community that he's building across the world and also right here at Global Heart Church in Perth, in Joondalup tonight. And so tonight, as we are starting a new year and hopefully thinking a little bit about how we intend to live in 2022, we're going to talk about how to commit to community. And the scripture we are going to have a look at and break down a little bit is Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11. And so here we have Paul and he's writing to a church, a community just like ours, and this is what he says. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, 
if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. For this very reason, God also highly exalted, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That is a hefty example that he has set for us. And as we talk about this tonight, the community that Paul was writing to and the community that we can be thinking about in our minds, it's not just necessarily the same as a group of friends, which is often where our mind goes first. Those are great, but this kind of community is so much more than that. Communities, they are made up of strong ties and weak ties. So a strong tie might be someone that you come to church with every week or that's in your connect group that becomes a friend for life. And a weak tie might be someone that you know because they are on the opposite cafe team and you sometimes spend time with them when they're filling in for someone else. They're both important to our life. Community is defined by proximity, so who we're around, shared concerns, accountability, and common responsibilities. So these are the people that we are doing life with, day in, day out life. And only in the family of God are we able to come together and experience the richness of community with people that are so vastly different to ourselves. And this is such a gift in a culture that is increasingly pushing us to only ever connect with people who share the exact same experiences as us and think in exactly the same way as we do. So how to commit to community. As humans, we create community everywhere. We see it everywhere. There is community at the local dog park where people connect every day over their common interest or at the gym. All of the extracurriculars that are available to kids and young people, they're not just activities, but they're communities. Businesses don't just market products, they market a lifestyle. And with that comes a community of like-minded people. Even people who don't like people often find other people that don't like people and connect with each other. Like, even if it's just online, it happens, right? It's true. Community is essential for our health as humans. Psychologists, sociologists, neurologists, and pastors, they all agree on that. Why? Because at our core, we are communal beings. It's really not a personality thing, no matter how introverted you are. And I say that because that's me, I'm high on that scale. No matter how introverted you are, in the deepest part of us, we are all relational. Just think about the most important relationships in your life, maybe a spouse, a child, a best friend. No matter how good things in general are going, if one of those important relationships in our life is off kilter, we are off kilter, right? And there are many reasons why you or I might choose to opt out of community in life, to withdraw, and many of them are extremely valid because with relationships brings mess and pain and sometimes even trauma, but we cannot opt out of needing community because it's part of being human. 
It's all throughout the Bible, the Word of God. The Bible is a text written to community. It assumes community. In the beginning, God created a family, and that family became a people group that we read about throughout the Old Testament, and that people group grew and grew. And then when Jesus walked on the earth by his life and his death and his resurrection, he made a way for anyone to be part of that family, for you and I to be a part of that family. And so that family became churches that increasingly spread and spread and spread across the globe until today, 33% of the world would consider themselves as part of God's family. And that number is still on the incline. I say that to say this, there has never been a point in time when God wasn't thinking about a group of people doing life together. Ronald Rollheiser says that Christian spirituality is just as much about dealing with each other as it is about dealing with God. And in fact, this is what Jesus had to say about how we do community. In John 13 verse 35, he said, By this all people will know that you are my disciples or my followers if you have love for one another. It's hefty, right? The church, this community, this family, we are called to love each other in such a way that others would look in and see Jesus. It's a high standard, a very high standard, but do you know, it is said that a century after that Gospel of John was written, a hundred years later, Tertullian, who was a theologian at the time, he reported that people who weren't followers of God were saying of Christians, see, look at how they love one another. I wonder if that can be said of you and I. This is how we will get the attention of a broken and hurting world. And so the stakes are just far too high for us to just be content with our community here just existing. You know, an optional thing for us to pop into and pop out of, like the dog park when when we're in the mood for it, for a bit of a feel-good injection with some fun people. That, That is great, but Jesus calls us to so much more. He calls us to becoming a community of love, of healing and of wholeness for you and for me and for everyone. So we are going to look at our Philippian scripture and, f- and pull out two how-tos from that tonight. Is that okay? Cool. How to commit to, to community. Number one, we commit to humility. And number two, we commit to reality. So committing to humility. Let's look at verses 3 to 8. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death upon a cross. This kind of humility is radical and wild and so counterintuitive to the way that we think. Because Jesus was God. He was the God of the universe with all of the privilege and the power that comes with that. And yet when we rejected God and the world descended into chaos, his response was to come into that mess himself to bring healing. He chose to empty himself into becoming a servant. He didn't consider his own privilege as something to be used for his advantage, but he leveraged his human life for us. God of the universe walking the earth. Born into poverty, he lived a life with no real possessions. He gave his time to children, to the broken, to the sick, to the poor. He was humble to the point of submitting to the shame that was crucifixion, the humiliation, the pain, death on a cross for us. And it was his resurrection that means we now get to access the fullness of life and his family that we're talking about tonight. That is the example that we're looking to. 
Now, none of us have the same privilege and power of God, but we all have things that set, apart, set us apart and give us some level of honour, right? We all have something that we bring to the table of life. And we typically hold on to these things with a death grip. Or just as long as I don't lose that money or that social status or that approval, that gifting, that ability, that opinion. And yet when we are open-handed with who we are, preferring others over ourselves in humility, we bring healing to the brokenness of others. This is what Paul is saying about how we should do community. I lay down my selfish ambition, my desire to just get ahead. I don't just look out for myself, I look out for you. I consider you to be more important than me. And we should note that Paul does assume that we look out for ourselves because that is a healthy thing to do. This is not a call to run ourselves into the ground, expending everything that we have in the name of humility when it's unwise. We must prioritize our emotional, mental, spiritual health, physical health. He says, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So I look out for myself, but I don't just look out for myself. I look out for you. Does this, oh, it's good. And if I do that, does that mean that I'm going to come up short in life like it might sound? Not in the slightest because at the same time, you are also laying down your selfish ambition. You're not just looking out for yourself. You're looking out for me and you're considering myself more important than yourself. There is no other community on earth where this is the framework for how we relate to each other. There are a lot of great organisations doing a lot of good in the world, but the church is the only place where we look to the example of an all-powerful God who had all power, all authority, and who did not abuse it or even use it for himself, but instead chose to suffer for us. And we take our cues for how to interact with each other from him. It doesn't always have to be that, that dramatic. I, I remember it was about four years ago now that uh, it was a Sunday afternoon and I was very upset because a family that I really loved had just let me know that they were moving away and uh, in my view at the time were abandoning me. In hindsight, it was a little bit dramatic, but I was quite upset. I was having a bit of a cry and I, I called up Bianca Keehan and I was crying to her on the phone and she said, oh, Div, George and I are just at Ross and Amber's house. Why don't you just come over? And uh, if you haven't yet met Ross and Amber, they are a great couple in our church who lead Starting Point at church, and they have a beautiful family with four kids. And uh, back then, I sort of knew Amber to some extent, but not very well. I would describe it as like a weak tie in our community. We kind of served together. And so I was a little bit apprehensive about imposing on their nice afternoon, but the Slaters have a reputation that precedes them of being really hospitable, friendly people. So I thought, okay, I'll go. I didn't want to be alone. And so I went over to their house, and it turned out that that night, the Slater kids had been planning for weeks this big, epic sleepover camp out with Pastor Jordan and Bianca. And they were really excited about it. They'd been planning it, preparing for it. They'd pitched a big tent in the backyard. It was very fun. It was very excitable. And then I came in crying. <laughs> and uh, they weren't expecting me to be there. And for the rest of the evening, as they were having a great time, I was just sitting there and a little bit like a faulty tap at random moments would just burst into tears with no prior warning, just sitting there, you know, ruining all the good vibes. And I felt really awful about it, but Amber, and all of them actually, but Amber just decided to consider me more important than what they had planned. And she was like, okay, Div, you're staying for dinner. You're camping out with us. Here are some spare PJs. Here's a toothbrush. Don't even think about going home. We want you here. And so that night I slept in a tent in the backyard with four kids and two married couples. 
from our church. And that evening blessed me to no end that they would welcome me in like that. But the impact of that evening has far outlasted the evening itself because to my personal benefit, Amber's now become a strong tie in my community, which is great. But to the benefit of many, many, many people, I now often remember that day when I am presented with a choice. Do I want to prefer someone else or do I want to prefer myself? And I often remember how they made me feel and how they blessed me and loved me. And I want to be able to bring that to the lives of others. So this is not necessarily a call to make drastic measures or dramatic life changes, but it is a call to make choices that we often just don't really feel like making in our day-in, day-out life. And yet, when we commit to preferring each other in humility, when we do community Jesus' way, a broken and hurting world will be able to look at us and say, see, look at how they love each other. So how do we commit to community? Number one, we commit to humility. And number two, we commit to reality. You know, point one was quite an idyllic picture. Like, I'll put you first, you put me first. And I stand by it. Humble love is our goal. It is our framework for relating to each other. But it is also something that we mess up constantly. And the fact that Paul has to say to the Philippian church, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, means that there was selfishness and conceitedness happening in the Philippian church. We can sometimes read the Bible in a bit of a detached manner and just think that it, w- it happened in this vacuum that was insulated from the realities of life and people that we face. But that's really not the case. They were dealing with the same relational issues that we're dealing with today and that people will deal with until Jesus returns. It's a beautiful tension. The goal of community is that everyone is loved, everyone is accepted, everyone is graciously told the truth, everyone is included, encouraged, spoken well of, supported, challenged in kindness, there is a place for everyone. That's the beautiful goal and it will never change. But when we inevitably fail, there is forgiveness at the feet of Jesus and hopefully at the hands of each other. You know, Jesus was really not naive about the state of humanity. He didn't tell us to love because he had a delusion that somehow people who follow him are always just going to do it really well. Um, you know, as if holding a belief somehow automatically translates to behavior modification, which it doesn't. But Jesus spent 24-7 for three years with a bunch of lads that followed him, literally, like they walked behind him when he moved around and they still didn't get what he was all about. His disciples were wild. They were proud. They were arrogant. They were selfish. They were competitive. Judas fully stabbed him in the back. Jesus knew what it looks like when people come together, even as followers of himself. And yet, that did not change the example that he set for us. Today, our culture is modern, it's Western, and it's individualistic. And one of the byproducts of that is we can tend to have a consumer approach to life and to relationships and even to church. So we ache for belonging and connection, and yet we also want to keep our options open, right? Our consumer mindset asks, well, what's in it for me? Is it really worth it when community gets hard or when I feel like I'm giving and I'm not getting? Is it really worth it when other people aren't making me feel good, when they're not adding what I want to my life? But we can't have the kind of community that Paul talks about in this scripture, being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, without commitment. We have to choose to stick with an imperfect group of people, this imperfect group of people, for the long haul in the messy reality. 
And you know, that's not to diminish the relational pain that can happen within community. I don't want to dismiss that at all. And some of us have been really deeply wounded by communities, church or otherwise. But uh, one thing that psychologists tell us is that even at a neurological level, the only way to get healing from relational wounds is in relationship. Whilst our greatest wounds come from relationships, so does our greatest healing. And so when we're hurt, if we then isolate ourselves to self-protect, we're only going to stay broken. And the biblical invitation to us, exampled by Jesus, is that when we are let down or hurt in our church community is not to disengage, but to re-engage with even greater commitment. The invitation is to be for others what we wish they would be for us. The best thing about disillusionment, which will happen when we commit to any group of people for any length of time, is that we get stripped of all of our illusions. Disillusionment, right? Whatever seems perfect and seamless at the beginning is always going to begin to unravel at some point. Bonhoeffer wrote about this. But the sooner that it happens, if we choose to stay, we get to a place of realisation and true legitimate commitment. Because we start to see each other for what we really are. We're all just people made in the image of God, which is beautiful, but also broken on every single level by sin. All at a different stage in our journey of following Jesus. And we can just accept each other for that, growing together in him into something more beautiful than what we are right now. How we commit to community, we commit to humility, and we commit to reality. Um, The band can join me as I'm about to wrap up. I just, I I do want to make it really clear. I know that that is, that all of that is very easy to say and much harder to live. And I was actually thinking today about how I probably have just as many stories about the mess as I do about the beauty of community in my life. But I am determined to just keep at this for the rest of my life. And I'm so grateful for all of the people who have kept at it in a way that has blessed and benefited me. In his book, The Relational Soul, Kurt Thompson writes, It is in communities that we encounter the possibility of being deeply known and where we practice for heaven. Communities provide a context in which we learn what it means for us to outwork our salvation. Can I encourage you tonight, there is no community on earth like the church of Jesus Christ. There is no community where the standard for loving each other is so high, and yet the grace and the forgiveness for missing the mark is so limitless. And that's all because of Jesus, because of Him. When we choose to engage with this church, we will find people who are not perfect, but who have a deep conviction to be people of love. And when you are young, there are older people here who have lived life with Jesus for a long time that you can learn from. And when you are older, there are young people that you can encourage and input into. When you have no family of your own, there is family to be found right here. And when you have a wonderful family, there is always someone that you can extend your table to. If you're a child, if you're a kid next door, a young person in youth, there are friends in kids and youth and leaders just waiting to sow into your life. In church, we find people in the same seasons of life as us to relate to us, whatever we're going through, and people in completely different seasons of life to us that can bring a different perspective to who we are. People who have fought the experience that you are struggling with today in days gone past so that they can encourage you. And people who need to hear one day about the experience you're battling through right now so that they can face theirs when it's their turn. All ages, all cultures, all socioeconomic statuses, every possible background you can think of. And when we do this well, 
when we can be known for the love that we have for each other, others can look to us and say, see, look how they love one another, and then we change the world. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us, and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member, and let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.